Do you hate your job? Of course you do. So do Liz and Noah. Now it's time to join their conversation so you can figure out how to quit your soul-crushing job. When Can I Quit My Job? Episode 2. Hello and welcome to another episode of When Can I Quit My Job? Uh, joined as always by my lovely life, <laughs> my lovely wife, Liz. I'm your life too. Yeah. Yeah. One of each. Yep. Hey there, it's Liz. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about uh, going a little more in depth with our land business, our real estate business. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start off by talking about kind of how we ended up there and why that's the strategy we chose. Um, and we're actually going to go into a little bit of the numbers, our projections, goals, and things like that, and what we've learned and what we still have yet to learn. So um, anything you want to add to that? No, sounds good. Okay. <laughs> I'm just following your lead on this one. All right. All right. So I would say that um, I mentioned in our first episode that I... I found out about cash flow investing from a podcast called The Tom Woods Show. Also, I want to preface by saying I'm, we're not being sponsored by anything I mentioned. They're just uh, what I think are truly good places for information or podcasts I actually listen to and things like that. So, It'd be great in the future. Yes. Yes. yes hopefully someday. Yeah, but right we'll, now, no. We'll monetize all those people. But <laughs> as of right now, no. But um, So I, I learned about cash flow investing. And um, I went down a couple different avenues there of research. Um, and our initial thought was that uh, we were going to start buying one house at a time here in Fort Wayne and renting those out. And over the long haul, that would eventually build up cash flow. Uh, I think we had a projection. Uh, we, we actually looked in also to turnkey real estate, which if you don't know what that is, I would suggest uh, Clayton Morris has a podcast and a business and uh, Grant Cardone also has a podcast and a business where he does those. Uh, And basically what it is, is they will find real estate in desirable areas with a good margin and they will find not too old houses that have newer things like furnaces, roofs, uh, and like interior like the important parts of a house and have need cosmetic work and uh, they will purchase those undervalued make it look nice Uh, they do all the work and then you buy it from them they manage it they have a team of people who manage the house so basically you're the owner of the house but you don't have to worry about dealing with all the people right yeah so it's supposedly less headache um you can eventually gain financial freedom by doing it that was something we had originally looked into and actually we still think about doing down the road just because it's kind of hands-off passive but it also takes a lot of upfront uh, cash like the low end of the ones i researched were about like eighteen thousand dollars just and that's not buying it outright that's down payment basically Um, but as a reminder where we live in fort wayne indiana Initially, we thought this was a really great idea because houses, in general, are very affordable where we live, comparatively, than if we live somewhere else. Well, that's you're kind of right? kind. Well, you're kind of conflating two thoughts, though. So, uh, we were looking at buying houses in Fort Wayne, but there's no turnkey real estate. 
oh, here in Fort Wayne. Yes, so. yes. I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, not turnkey specifically, but I think, yeah, yeah the general housing idea and buying right. houses or like flipping houses, which is a very popular thing. Right. That can come to mind a lot easier for people. Right. In so, general. Yeah. So, yeah, in Fort Wayne, there's pluses and minuses. We're not as affected when a, a bubble pops or the market corrects or takes a downturn or anything like that because our prices are lower, but there's also lower margins. Um, but all of this is just to say, this is like the first thing we looked into. We looked at a couple of houses. We got in contact with the realtor. Uh, we scouted some places. We actually had a couple in mind that we were going to pursue. Um, actually went and talked to banks about getting uh, loans uh, for a fiveplex downtown. Uh, we're, wheels were in motion for that. And then what uh, happened? <laughs> <laughs> what happened was, well, first off, I think our projection for replacing our income was, I think it was like seven years, seven to eight years, like ultimate possible, like if everything went perfect, we never had to replace a furnace or a roof. It would have been like seven to 10 years or something like that, you know, which is reasonable if I'm 38. So I could have, if we had started two years ago when we were looking into it or something, it would have been like 45 to 48 retirement, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at. But then I became even, even still, even though we live in Fort Wayne and we're less susceptible to downturns in the market, I think that the real estate market in particular, as well as other things are due for a correction. And I started looking into alternative ways to invest that might be even less susceptible. And the two that really stood out to me were storage facilities, uh, like you store it, those types of things um, were a really popular thing and also took less um, initial investment. So that was a really attractive option. And then I also got really into mobile home park investing. So that actually takes a lot of education to go into. And really, if you don't have the capital education is the only way you're gonna get into it because you're gonna have to know so much that you're able to find someone willing to fund you mm-hmm. and basically have it down to a science before you even get into it. Um, and I actually ended up talking to uh, a mobile home park owner. Um, and I listened, if that's something that interests you, I listened to a podcast by uh, Kevin Bupp, uh, B-U-P-P is his name, and he invests in mobile home parks. Um, and I still think that's a sound investment for, for riding the wave if the market does take a downturn. Right. For sure. So it kind of inched its way from houses, which could still have a decent return on investment, but maybe mm-hmm. longer, mm-hmm. Um, to thinking about, okay, where's the market going? Right. Mobile homes, like if people are in dire need, they'll turn to that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hopefully somewhat you can see a slow progression right into to where we're we're headed. Right. And and you know, I didn't really participate in the crash in two thousand eight because I was still in school and but I've since I started researching this these things, I've been in contact with a lot of people who are in real estate and heard a lot of horror stories about what happened to a lot of people who are in that area when this happened. And I guess to backtrack slightly, the reason I focused on real estate to begin with was I heard a lot of people saying, 
well, the the cliche it's that real estate is uh, the only way that you you can become a self-made millionaire in the United States still. Um, but on top of that, just um, I believed because of the events of the downturn uh, in 2008 that real assets were something I wanted to prioritize. And I also wanted to focus on something that I understood on some level, uh, which is not stocks and bonds, uh, which is not, I mean, that eliminates a lot of things. So, I mean, I understand land. I understand dirt. I know what it is. I've walked on it. I've seen it. And we were homeowners at the time as well. I mean, not to right. backtrack, but like, if I'm kind of following you, in a way, I mean, you sort of understood what it was like to own a house, because right. right now we don't, but a couple of years ago, we were homeowners, and so that felt a little bit more familiar than even stocks and bonds. Right. Oh, for sure. And then, um, but like how you mentioned, that doesn't necessarily translate into owning the trailer parks. Oh, right. But yeah, we were, we were getting closer to what felt comfortable and that we could understand right. and make money. Right. Yeah. And so I had, I had gone from single family residential. Um, and then I actually, I did listen to a lot of podcasts about multifamily and um, apartment complexes and those types of things. And I did actually connect with some people in the local area who do own um, apartment complexes and kind of pick their brain a little bit and get some advice from them. None of them were really utilizing it the way I really want to though. Like the one apartment complex owner I talked to basically, he was his own manager on the property. He only had the one apartment complex, you know, which is nothing to sneeze at again, but I don't want to be like the owner, operator, manager, fixing toilets and and repainting walls and things like that, which is kind of what he was. And it does still take a decent amount of capital. Right. Oh, well. yeah. Oh, yeah. So it sure like entering into the market in those ways for us is a little challenging. Right. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, especially with I mean, we have good credit and things like that, but excellent. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. that's true. Mint tells me mint.com another free advertisement tells me that our credit score is excellent but so i uh, so i had gone through the progression and i was studying up on mobile home park investing which seemed kind of daunting but like listening to it none of it seemed so daunting that i wasn't interested to at least learn how to do it and connect with people and that's really the key is like if you connect with someone who's done it before they just make it seem so much easier and, you know, you can just talk to the person and be like, you know, this person isn't so special that it's unattainable for me to have what he has. So um, and I had actually set up a, a person, a face to face call with uh, Kevin Bupp at one point, um, who is the runner, uh, the person who runs the podcast, uh, his own podcast about mobile home park investing. And he had an episode with a person named Mark Podolsky. You might recognize the name. I mentioned him last episode. And Mark Podolsky is, calls himself the land geek. And he proposed, or he gave his business model on the Kevin Bupp show, which is basically buying vacant land from distressed owners at a fraction of the retail value and reselling it on free platforms. Uh, and Ooh, it, it, That was really nice and eloquent. Well, thank you. <laughs> Very good. I've had a lot of time. You know, we've been doing this for a year and a half. So. And, you know, it sounded really appealing. And it was the first guest that, to my mind, that I remember 
Kevin Bupp having on there where he actually paused and almost reconsidered his own business model and he did actually give it a try so the next couple episodes i remember him kind of reviewing his attempt to do the the thing himself and maybe he didn't realize the time it takes at first the people who are really good at doing what we're learning how to do and still doing right now they say they'll invest an average of two hours a day on it um and you know they make they have to make millions of dollars a year, uh, the top ones who do it. These are high-end financial advisors and corporate uh, Fortune 500 vice presidents and things like that replacing their incomes uh, within like 18 to 24 months, which was a really good signal for me because I only have to replace probably a fifth of their salary. (laughs) So if I can put in a fifth of the work they do, which isn't what we've done, you know, we've put in 15 hours a week probably for the last year on average i'd say something like that but um so it intrigued me yes the discovery of the buying and selling land yes um and it intrigued me enough to kind of halt where i was going with mobile home parks and everything and that's when i was in contact with mobile home park owners and things like that so i decided to do some more research and i listened to um mark but also he actually has a couple dead podcasts. So I think this he's on his at least third podcast. So I listened to some of his old podcasts and started listening to his new podcast, which again is called um, The Art of Passive Income and kind of got a feel for what the business might be and what it could be if you were successful at it and just stuck to it. And basically to be successful in this, what your life would eventually look like is they highly utilize what are called VAs, which stands for virtual assistants, um, which means once you get the motions down of the business, you're going to make a little five to 10 minute video, upload it to the internet, and you're going to go on places like Upwork or Fiverr, and you're going to, you're going to hire a virtual assistant online for, you know, $4 to $6 an hour and outsource most of the tedious work that you don't want to do. And that was very appealing to me. And and the 14 hours a week, obviously, is very appealing to me, especially seeing these guys that I know are making millions of dollars doing this. And, you know, for us, it wasn't a get-rich-quick scheme by any means. We knew it was going to take a lot of time and effort. Um, They talk about it. It's a grind. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, especially at first. It's a lot of learning. It's really helpful to network. Mm -hmm. And it's tedious. It is. And they talk about that, too. I mean, they they warn you in it, like in the podcast and in boot camp, which you'll probably mm-hmm. talk about. Yeah. So you can you can spend three months. You can get analysis paralysis by looking into all this stuff. There's so much to learn. But if you take a step back and just gather yourself, really all you're doing is sending letters to people to buy their land to sell it to someone else. So it can be as simple or as difficult as you want it. Of course, there are legal entanglements but they're not you're not at very much real risk the things that are are an actual risk to you are pretty easily figured out and avoidable so really the model is you buy a piece of you you research land on a handful of websites such as uh, landwatch.com there's um, land uh, landmodo.com there's landandfarm.com and basically you look for uh, counties that have a lot of land for sale, you're basically you're looking out west because you want large 
unpopulated or low, very low population areas. And there's specific reasons for that. You want, you know, it's good to be in the in the direction of growth. It's good to be um, near national parks and certain attractions like that. But um, that's just like a real loose kind of idea of the counties you're looking for. And once well, you and for us too, it's more affordable as well. Sure. There, there is like it became apparent that we could do it because we could afford to start our business without a ton of capital. Absolutely. I mean, you can have, you can go balls to the wall and spend as much as you want and in more expensive areas. But like for us, we just have so many more options. Oh in yeah. Some of these counties than we would at home, which I think we talked about. We cannot do this in Indiana, which a lot of people think there's not a lot in Indiana, but compared to these other counties where there's, really nothing like it's so much empty land oh yeah you can't even compare so we we literally cannot even do this business like in our hometown there's i mean there's so many millions of acres of vacant land especially in the west it's just wide open and you don't even think about that really yeah like it's hard to even fathom and i don't know if you wanted to talk about how long you could work in a single county forever yeah. I mean, really, so we picked two of the biggest, most popular counties. And so it's Mojave County, Arizona, and Costilla County, Colorado. And there's probably, I mean, there's probably a few dozen people doing what we do in each area at least. And this, this, this niche is so small. I mean, all three of our listeners could join it, and it's not going to hurt our sales at all. But <laughs> 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 no, but the, the, yeah. There's no danger of too many people joining this and running out of land. This just will never ever happen. Blows my mind. And yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that's possible. And but. and that's something like Mark hammers home all the time. Every every we've been to two boot camps, and you might want to explain what that is. It's basically just they get together four times a year. They go over their business model. There's people who are doing it, people who want to do it. They have breakout sessions for people who want to, who are having like getting coaching done and stuff like that. And um, basically, it's a place to network, to get what he calls the the clouds lifted from any fog you're having about how things work or things you're getting hung up on. So it's probably 30 to 50 people or something like that. Not not might, very big. It might depend on the location. Too, yeah. There are different locations, I think, for each of them. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. San Antonio, there's one in Orlando, Las Vegas, and I don't remember the other one off the top of my head. Yeah, but it's just really inspiring. Yeah, too. You can, oh yeah. You just go there, you get reignited, um, which is why we went twice. Mm-hmm. Um, That's where we met all of our best contacts and the people we keep in contact with still to this day. Mm-hmm. And Mark is amazing. He just does an amazing job talking mm-hmm. about it. He's really animated and fun to listen to. So you're never bored when you're there. Right. Um, yeah. And they all have an abundance mindset, which we think is really important as well. They'll, I don't, I haven't come across anything that someone's asked them that was, they were too secretive about or like didn't feel like they could share. So without going down too many rabbit holes, so basically, yeah, we we focus in two counties, and they are so big, we could probably send out 500 offers a week for 10 years before we doubled back over or something like that. That's just a 
shot in the dark, but it's, it's so big. It's so big. And, um, so I guess, I don't know, should we talk about specifics now? Or is there anything else I should say about like kind of the broad overview of the business model? Oh, what I was saying anyway is you 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 go into those websites I was talking about, Landwatch, Land Farm, those, you find comps, comparable pieces of land in the same area. And so you just find four or five is probably good enough, if, especially if they're right around the same price. Then basically you take that price, divide by four, and that's your offer. And you send out letters to those people in that area. Um, like I said, you'll get a lot of angry calls, but eventually you'll find someone in a situation or their parents died and gave it to them. They never wanted it to begin with. Yeah, so some people, they might find it insulting. So like they I was will. gonna put it to, <laughs> to real numbers. So let's say it seems like, for an example, that one acre is selling for $1,000, or no, let's say $4,000 an acre in Costilla County, Colorado, which is one of the counties that we're looking at. So then we would mail out an offer that says, okay, we'll give you $1,000, mm-hmm. right? That's yep. what you're saying. Yep. And so, yeah, so the angry calls might be because they think it's insulting that you're offering such a low ball offer. Um, but mm-hmm. we, I don't think we've actually had a lot of angry calls. Not a lot. I mean, in the year, over just over a year that we've mm-hmm. been mailing. Fair handful. Yeah, which isn't bad. No, I mean, when you think all. about all the different jobs where you're working with people and they could be angry, it, it hasn't been that bad. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I guess getting... So that's, that's the model. Um, you buy it. Uh, there... It's pretty easy to do, really. You can just you just have to gain the trust of the person, basically, and you'll have them. You'll create a deed for them. You'll send it to them. They'll sign it. They'll send it back to you. Once you get it and record it with the the county recorder, you'll send them a check, and that's that's the whole process. And once you've got it, basically, you put up some ads on Craigslist and Facebook, maybe slightly lower than retail price, or you can offer financing. And if you make the monthly payments low enough, then you'll sell it. So, did you want to talk about the, oh, I forget what the package is called that you got. Oh, the Investor's um, Toolkit? Yeah. So, uh, I mean. No. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean. Say, yeah, we have a little over, or around like 10 minutes, less than 10 minutes. So, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that as no. part of, okay. I'm, I'm not here to advertise for Land Geek. I mean, oh. yeah. Okay. So, um, well, so what do you want to talk about? Well, I was going to talk about numbers. Okay. So, um, so like I said, so we really started doing this after our first uh, boot camp, uh, which was in Orlando, and um, I, well, our first our first property we got was actually from another person who does what we did uh, with another person who does what we do. So we joined together and bought a. Wholesale, so there's a lot of wholesaling in what we do. If someone's, it's taken too long for someone to say, sell something, or if they decide they gave it a shot and they don't want to do it anymore, they might just wholesale what they have left. And um, one of the people that uh, I met in Orlando found a property in North Carolina. Uh, and this was in December, I think, and that was being wholesaled. And so it was wholesaled for $7,500, and you could go on the county website and you could see that the county assessed value was over $40,000, which um, usually those are 
conservative estimate, and usually they're worth more than that. And he asked me if I wanted to go in on it with him because that was more than he's accustomed to putting down uh, for a property. And I didn't know any better, but I know he had a lot more sales than me. And I was like, if he thinks it's good, then sure, why not? Um, and actually, so that was a little over a year ago. And because of certain things about the property, it has HOA fees. It's uh, it's not the type of property that we usually do now. We we have it agreed and contract to sell, but it has to pass what's called a perk test, which means it is able to have septic installed. So we actually still have that one. And we uh, ended up negotiating and selling it for, I think, 11000 Yeah. And that's going to be right. our probably our smallest margin on anything we've bought and sold so far. So, it's a little um, profit. Yeah. It'll be 50% profit for something that we invested for a year. So, um, And if it doesn't, if this falls through for some reason or another, we were marking it 20 So um, it's possible we could end up selling it for more. Um, but anyway, so that's as an example and so we bought to this date we bought 10 if you include that property that has the contract signed from North Carolina uh, that will have been our fifth property sold uh, one property we sold twice um, it can go through default if basically if a person stops paying I'll send them an email if they don't respond to me within 30 days I don't have to go through any process at all I just get the piece of land back and get to sell it again so one of my pieces of property that I've sold, I've sold it twice. Uh, I'm not counting that as one of my five though. So, and just to give you an idea of actual numbers, and I'm, I, I missed the mark when I was targeting, when I was pricing these. So we offered higher than we should have. So we have what I would think are not typical. Um, the, the price margins that is always touted as what you should be aiming for, in this is between 300 to 1000 percent and they also say they want to sell each piece of land if it hits like four to six weeks then that's when they start getting worried and start selling it for cheaper so and the other thing is i don't remember exactly how they say it but you make money on the buy oh yeah that's That's the big thing they talk about as well that's there's a learning curve Right. With with figuring out how much you want to offer. So like the if you're dividing retail by four, mm-hmm. um, it's still like that helps. Right. But it's not an exact science. You will have to make adjustments. Oh, well, yeah. You have to make adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. So the letters we've sent out, I've adjusted the price on them probably five or six times already in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the make money on the buy, that's a general, it's like a cliche in real estate. Because the reason is... If you save $100 on the buy, it works out because you sell it. We're selling it for four times more than it's worth, so it's a lot easier to get $100 off the buy than to get 400 more on the sale. That's I think that's where that right. comes from. Yeah. yeah, so so we did not take that advice. <laughs> but we're so, just starting. We're going to make mistakes. and Right. The important thing was to do what uh, Mark always says. I can't remember. It comes from a book. Uh, I think it's uh, Tony Robbins actually originated this, but take massive action. Uh, oh, I thought we were going to say the M&Ms. Oh, no, yeah. Other thing, yeah. So um, yes, the important, important thing, yeah, and that and fail forward. So my, my whole thing was like, I don't care if I sell some for the exact same price, like, you know, he said he's been doing it for 18 years and he's never sold one at a loss and he's never been stuck with one. 
There's a pig for every pen. There's a pig for every pen. They also say that. So <laughs> <laughs> Let's just have an episode of cliches. Yeah, exactly. So um, I just wanted to get started, even if I missed the mark, whatever. I'm, I'm aiming for 25%. So if I accidentally hit 30, 40, even 50%, Oh well, you know, I made some money more than I would have made in the stock market or uh, with my IRA or whatever. So we bought 10 properties, including the, we ended up spending, well, including, um, we, we did get a discount on that, uh, that wholesale one I mentioned because he hadn't had the perk test done. Uh, so we ended up getting it for 65 instead of 75, which was the offer. And um, so including that one, we have bought 10 total for 16,000, just over, between 16 and $17,000. If you include the wholesale deal that we have signed in contract now and the contracts that we have signed. So we sold one for cash and two we have on terms, which means we're getting monthly cash flow from those around uh, $250 total for those two right now. And that'll be for five years, I think. So just on the five we've sold out of 10, we're already at $8,500 profit. So profit. Profit. Yeah. So okay. just over $25,000 right now. We still have five more to sell that I imagine I'll get at least 3000 for. Um, and that's if I sell it for cash because you can charge a little more if you sell on terms. And it's not very often you sell for cash. I think probably average is around one out of five will probably sell for cash, which has been my experience. So even... You know, missing the mark yeah. when we're buying. I mean, in one year, only buying 10 properties and not even, I mean, just selling half of them, that's $8,500. We've made our, more than made our money back. Yeah. So in real yeah. cash, in real cash right now, so we've only got $6,400 back, but once the um, once that wholesale deal goes through, then that'll be, that'll push, push us up another 5,500 and we'll be like $5,000 invested and have right now i'm projecting that we will bring in 41 just over forty-one thousand dollars from the 10 properties that we have total all, all told which did you share how much you make in the last podcast oh right yeah now? so that's yeah that's so how much that's about my salary yeah right now i make just over forty-four thousand yeah. dollars. so if we are even able to duplicate this like in a year or were you saying profit? It'd be like forty-one thousand. No, that's total. That's total. income. Okay, never mind. But still, I mean, it, so you can see how with it'd be not about a twenty ton of properties, about twenty-five thousand dollars profit. So if we okay, so then if we replicate that, if we're able to in a year just like double that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then which is twenty properties, right? Not a crazy amount, right? That can replace your salary. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't seem it's not inconceivable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we have five to sell right now. I mean, in theory, I could sell five this month, um, which would be probably $16,000. Um, my take home salary with my $44,000 after the government gets its grubby paws on it is about twenty-six dollars to $28,000. So, yeah, I mean... I think we'll probably have yeah. to have a follow-up episode about this because there's there's so much more. But I think that's um, a good place to end, though. I mean, the yeah. dream is alive and well. It is. Hopefully, we're sticking to can, it. Yeah, you can glean from it is like if we're consistent with it, and it's not even like 
a crazy amount of like selling hundreds of properties yeah we can we can do it we'll be able to quit our jobs exactly our goal for this year is to sell four a month which is an ambitious goal considering we sold five last year but four a month is not that much if i mean the 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 people scott todd and mark podolsky those are Scott Todd is the other kind of high up guy that they're basically, they work as partners more or less. I think they're, they ended up last year around 300. So if we can do one sixth of their production, and I know they, you know, they have a lot more systems in place, but you know, one sixth of their production and we've, we've hit our goals and those, I mean, you know, we try to get around, around about $3,000 a piece of property easy quick math on that $150,000 profit uh that's definitely more than we're taking home right now so (laughs) maybe that is a good place to end do you have anything else no I think you're good so that's that's our our story of how we landed on our current strategy in real estate uh like I said uh Land Academy podcast is a good one as well as Uh, The Art of Passive Income. Thanks for being with us again for our second episode, and we hope to see you guys next time.